0: I was thinking about uh, how to to cap this whole thing together. This has been a, I can't say it's a long journey, right? Because 10 weeks is a definitive period of time of which cannot be longer or shorter than it is. But it does seem like a very uh, interesting journey that we've come through on the Crazy Love series, whether you've gone through the book or not. um, There's just been a lot going on. And um, I think I'm going to try to give us a a broad overview of of things that we've looked at, some of the big things we've looked at over this 10-week series and then we're going to figure out what we need to do with all of it. Um, what does that actually mean for us uh, going forward, both as a, uh, as a church, as a, as a group of people? Uh, and Dan will have some of that as well. So uh, just looking back at some of the major things that we talked about in the book, the, one of the things we were asked to ponder was who God is. What is he like? What are some of his attributes? Uh, one of them is holy. He is, he is set apart. He is different. Uh, one of my favorite verses is Exodus 3.14, where God has just told Moses that he's going to be going to Pharaoh to petition the release of the nation of Israel. And Moses asks, you know, who should I say sent me? Because you can't go in, as Moses say. Moses says, release the people. And you can't go back to the Israelites and say, well, I think we should do this, so let's make it happen. Okay? And God says, say, I am who I am. That's not a name. That is a, that is a stance. That is, and he's different. He's just different. He can't even be pinned down by some sort of common name or description. And if he wasn't different, he would be one of us. And don't take this the wrong way, but there's no way that I'm going to bow down and worship any of you guys as Lord. Uh, I'm sure you have some redeeming qualities, but it's, it's not going to happen. Okay? He, he's different. He's also eternal. Revelation 22:13 says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. In Revelation 4, 8, tells us the angels are singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. If he were not eternal, he wouldn't be God. He would be a being that could be dominated by things like time and death. But he's not. He's eternal. God is also all-knowing. Uh, Hebrews four thirteen says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from his light. Sight. This should be very humbling for us. Uh, think of the things that, that may be you're hiding things that you keep to yourself because the truth would be embarrassing or shameful the consequence of that information falling into the wrong hands or becoming public you know could ruin relationships marriages jobs families but the one being who has the highest standards whose relationship should be honored and protected above all others the one who you have the most to lose by offending he already knows and this should be comforting because it's out of the bag. So that we can deal with it. We know that we can't hide it from God. This is why you, when you see people that have overcome addiction and failure through Christ, they become very open about it. They don't continue the facade of hiding. Because God already knows. And if He knows, you know, who else could you be hiding it from? If God were not all-knowing, we could fool Him. Like we fool the world. We could convince Him of how good we are, that His judgment is misguided, because we're not that bad. But He knows better. God is also all-powerful. This is the God that we're told in Genesis 1 spoke the world into existence. Let there be light. And there was. I gave this a shot this morning at the donut table. I said, let there be Bavarian cream. Nothing. Nothing happened. Okay, Job twenty six fourteen says, Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. And how small a whisper do we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? This is the God that we're told in Joshua ten thirteen caused the sun to stand still for nearly a day. I mean, come on, who can cause the sun to stand still for nearly a day? The dude that made it, probably. Everyone else is probably going to fall short. If he is not all-powerful, he can't hold us accountable or uh, responsible for our injustices. Uh, in humanity, the biggest and the strongest dude in the room tends to be the guy that sets the bar as to what behavior will be tolerated and what will not. Because he can enforce the bar. Okay, That's God. That's God for us. He's all-powerful. He's also fair and just. Exodus 34, uh, starting verse 6, says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Paul writes in Romans twelve nineteen says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. If he was not fair and just, we would be subject to maniacal whims, but God has clearly communicated to us through his word and his son Jesus the expectations for our behavior. We are told in 1 Corinthians 14, it says that God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. We can have peace in his consistency, justice, and fairness. So those are some of his attributes that we're asked to look at. We're also asked to think about our own mortality. Uh, In James 4.14, it says "Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. We're also asked to think about how we live. I mean, does it matter how we live our lives we have to think about where we put our trust. Um, the, the book discussed how worry and stress reek of arrogance. Uh, they are indicators that we believe that the situation we find ourselves in is either too much for God, or contrary to his word that he's not going to provide. They could also be indicators that we simply prefer to keep that particular item to ourselves because it's none of God's business. We want to mourn for our circumstances in life and wonder why other people seem to handle things with peace and unfailing perseverance where we struggle but when it comes down to it we can't seem to get around to trying to let God handle it we feel like there has to be something that we can do we're always asked to contemplate God's crazy love for us to recognize that God does not need us he doesn't need anything yet he persists in a relationship with us you have nothing to offer him nothing he's God but he wants you and a friendship with you, a relationship with you, and he pursues that in his outrageous love. We're reminded of our tendency to lukewarm belief, things like merely following religious protocol—you uh, know, going to church because it's what's expected of you, not because you have any desire to be here, or of reading your Bible but not seeking God in it, just trying to familiarize yourself so you don't embarrass yourself if someone happens to ask you a question. Um, lukewarm stuff of not wanting to stop our sin, just bargain out of the consequences. We don't want to be better people just to have more flattering caricature. You know, we care more about how we are perceived than about how we truly are. Uh, of trusting Jesus like a convenient pal, not the king of the universe. Of seeking and protecting our own comfort in the ignorance of the glory of God, the needs of others, and even the state of our own hearts. Of directing our faith primarily at ourselves. You know, so after going through the book and kind of reading and praying and thinking about what it means for your life, I can guess that for most of us, there's one broad but honest conclusion. Things should be different. Big, small, things should be different. I mean, is there anyone here who can honestly look at their life in relationship with Christ and say, I'm all good. I'm totally taken care of. And this applies to people in all situations. I mean, perhaps you're here and you don't have a relationship with God. But you're here for a reason. I mean, maybe somebody dragged you here. Thanks for coming. Enjoy the donuts. There's no Bavarian cream. Uh, But you're looking for something, right? I mean, you're seeking the truth about God. You're seeking to understand why your life is the way it is and whether there are answers in Jesus. You see, someone else who seems to have peace and joy and their circumstances are not that much different than yours. Whatever it is, there's a lingering sense that things should be different. Maybe you're here and you know the truth of God. But your life doesn't really reflect it. You know, if you remove everything you know about God from your mind, your life would pretty much look the same, except your Sundays would be free. You have an emotional connection with Jesus, Jesus' events, you know, songs, concerts, sometimes church, but it doesn't ever tend to translate to a change in your life. You make general equivalents like Jesus was a good guy and I feel like I'm a pretty good guy, so I must be okay. And you do that to put off that feeling that in the, the periphery of your heart and your mind, that that isn't all there is to it. And you're here because there's comfort hearing the truth of God. It settles that down, it settles the discomfort of ignoring it outside of these walls. The discomfort of that sense that things should be different. And maybe you're here, and compared to most, you're a rock star for Jesus. I mean, you're constantly praying about stuff, reading your Bible because you want to. You can name at least eight of the disciples. I'll give you a minute. Matthias is cheating. You're back down to seven. Alright. Others come to, Somebody's really happy in the back. Others come to you for advice and encouragement. I got them. But you're haunted, right? You're the rock star for Jesus, but you're haunted by a persistent sin. One that you can't seem to shake. Or maybe you struggle with having your relationship with Jesus reverberate in a public way. Or you feel a distance from God at times that you can't seem to explain. And because of your close relationship with Christ, you're perhaps more attuned than most when something does need to be different. Now, maybe you're here and you're a full-on rock star. I mean, you don't struggle with any of this. If so, if you and you know, your pride can hang out for a while as humans are going to deal with some stuff, I'd send you to the donuts, but I've bled I've that one. Consistent among all these things is the notion of something needing to be different. Something other than what is our normal. And that is from God. He has asked us to be holy, to be set apart. He has been clear that our lives should be different than those that don't know God. In first Peter uh, chapter one, verse thirteen, it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And in Ephesians 1, 4, it says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. The question is, what does this mean practically? I mean, we can feel this desire to be different, to have our lives lived differently than they are. But what does that mean? How does that play itself out? Well, for starters, we have to think differently. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I love this. Why would I want to spend my time thinking about things that are not lovely, that are not just, that are not worthy of praise? And I can look at my own life and think about a lot of the news that I read. It's news, right? But it's, it's a lot of junk. I read a lot of junk. Um, I mean, do I really need to know about the details of the Ashton Kutcher Demi Moore pending divorce? I don't. That's that's a sad thing for them. I, I don't really need to know that. Do I need to read the 838th article of Michael Jackson's trial? I mean, one seems like it would have done it. I don't know how much coverage you can you can get out of an event, but I read them, and it was junk. It was junk. Now, we can't be ignorant of the world around us if we're to be effective influences in the culture. I'm not saying you have to abstain from reading anything. But, you know, pick your medium. TVs, movies, newspapers, uh, Facebook. <clears throat> it, this is all an intracranial connection to potential junk. Okay? Are these things the means to which a lot of people learn how to see the world? Sure. But we need to be different. We need to filter out junk And spend our time thinking about other things, things of excellence. You know, we can't ignore the existence of evil, and we have to deal with it as information comes in. But we don't need to spend our time volunteering to dwell on junk. Being holy also means we must act differently. Colossians three twenty three says, "Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men." Think about the last day you were at work, perhaps Friday, okay? If God were your boss, and let me remind you of his omniscience in the matter, okay, would your day of work look the same? You know, Sure, it's funny to put the tennis ball in the deep fryer, but if Jesus were the swing manager, would you still done it? And maybe they don't notice if you were a few minutes late here and there, or if you take an extra long lunch or use the free company postage to catch up on your renew of, uh, the renewal notice of Ladies Home Journal. Okay? But if you were working for I Am Who I Am Incorporated... Would you continue that behavior? That's where we're at. Whatever we do, we are to do it as if we are doing it for the Lord, not for men. And it doesn't matter how everyone else is acting or what is expected of the culture. We do business with God. And that means you should be able to go to any place of business. I don't care where it's at. And you should be able to pick out the Christian. It's the guy sweating in the back. I mean, he's running himself ragged. He's putting out top quality material. That's the guy. You should be able to pick him out. There should be guys on the street corners with big signs that say, looking for Christians to hire. That's us. The list could go on. We need to pursue different things in the world around us. We must do things for different reasons. We must submit to different standards. So let me ask you a question. If you had to put a label on somebody who seems to act completely different than the rest of the culture, he thinks differently than everyone else. He seems to hold things in different s- esteem. Okay, He's basically living outside of the culture. What would be a label the culture might put on him? He's crazy. Isn't that kind of the definition of a crazy person? Someone who is living completely outside the culture that is separate, set apart? You know, you see a guy that doesn't seem to subscribe to cultural norms and doesn't seem to notice or care. And tell me you haven't seen this guy, especially if you have been downtown. It's the guy on the street corner and he's singing very loudly and there's feathers coming off him. And I don't even know where they're coming from. But that's this guy. Okay? He's completely different. But doesn't biblical holiness look a lot like craziness if you permit our culture to define how you act? Here's the thing, no matter how much you want to, you can't become crazy, holy, by your own efforts. Yeah, you can buy the used football helmet at the Goodwill and start wearing your underpants on outside of your clothes and start using the word mustard as a verb. Hey, these are options. But the truth is, being different comes from within. Your behavior is an outpouring of your heart. It's not a product of forced will or forced commitment. So how do we do it? I mean, how do we address this urge to be different? How do we go from just wanting to be different to truly being set apart? What's the answer? It's one word. It's Jesus. That's it. It's Jesus. You see, we're not capable of this on our own. Only through the sacrifice of Jesus and giving ourselves over to Him can we truly be holy. Through our sin, we've been separated from God. He is holy, different from us in that He is perfect and we are not. And in our imperfection, we cannot rectify the situation. We cannot do enough, say enough, try hard enough to overcome our sin and imperfection. And God, in His perfection, cannot tolerate the presence of our sin. But in His love, His gracious, never-ending, all-encompassing love, He has provided a way. He sent His Son, Jesus. His sinless perfect son to accept the punishment, the result of our sin, on our behalf. Jesus came to earth as a man who was executed, an innocent man, so that the price of our sin could be paid and we could be reconciled to God. And Jesus resurrected from death on the third day, arising as a conqueror of sin and death so that we could have life. And it is through turning our lives over to Jesus that we can truly become different. You don't need to do more. You need to give up. In his letter to the churches in Galatia, the Apostle Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. To become different, we have to give up the very nature of ourselves. Isn't that what becoming different is? Not being the same. Okay, Give up the very nature of ourselves. Of ourselves. Paul also writes in 2 Corinthians 5, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So how do you do it? How do you turn your life over? For starters, we need to admit that there is separation. That we are sinners and we are separate from God. Then we need to acknowledge the truth of our salvation Through Jesus, That we recognize grace and forgiveness in the sacrifice that was made for us. And that we need Jesus in our lives so that we may be different. Then we need to be obedient in our pursuit and love for God. We need to read God's word so that we may know what we're supposed to do and see Jesus as our example. We need to be talking to God, having a relationship with Him. Prayer is simply having a conversation with God. Let's be clear though, reading the Bible, praying, talking to people about Jesus... These things don't make you holy. However, through them, you learn more and more about God and start to be obedient to His commands and turn more and more of your life over to His will. This is going to seem the opposite of what, what we want to do. Okay? If you have a, say you have some sin in your life, stuff that you, you just want to root out, don't spend your time trying to eliminate the sin. Spend your time in pursuit of God. Don't spend your time trying to put on a show, trying to act the part of holiness. Spend it in pursuit of God. We are different because God is different. And the only way for us to to really blossom in that way is to allow God to take it over. If you don't have a relationship with God and you want things to be different, now is the time. You can pray silently right where you're at. I mean, just start the conversation. I mean, it could be as simple as, I don't know you, God but I want to that's a good first step if you need help with next steps please come talk to me Okay? now is the time to embrace the chance for things to be different for those of you who, who do have a relationship with Christ I want you to think about what's on the table this tends to be our barrier Okay? we give 85% some 90 95% to God but there's still things we're holding on to there's things that we're not ready to put on the table and say God use this how you want in my life you know, could be things like where you know where you work, how many kids you want to have, where you live. I don't know. Maybe God doesn't want to do anything with those. Maybe he wants you to, to rock out for him where you're at, where you work, where you live. But have you pulled it off the table? Are there things in your life that you've taken away and said, I want these. I'm going to keep these. You can have everything else. We can't be completely set apart if we're still holding on to our own stuff. Don't get comfortable here. We become holy through the grace of God and the act of giving up and allowing God to take over. Let's pray.